Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I have a special guest with me. I have college football and pro football analysts. And you probably know him from the second guest show, along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby A. Bear. Uh, we have Mike Detilia on the show. Thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, we got to talk about the, uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the first question I want to ask you is about training camp. Now, this is training camp like we never seen before. Uh, you know, we never seen uh, anything like it. I mean, we're dealing with uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus, and teams are really trying to do their best to try to keep these players safe. Uh, the Saints, no OTAs, uh, no minicamp. And now Sean Payton has created a little bit of a, a camp bubble. So uh, I want to get your uh, opinion about what do you think about Sean Payton creating a bubble for his team? Well, he's trying to do what he thinks, <clears throat> excuse me, is the right thing to do. And that's to pr pretty much quarantine mm -hmm. those players in one spot. Right. And your focus is on football. Yeah. <clears throat> that's the only thing you can control. Yeah. You can't control the outside world. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that that's such a big thing in today's world mm -hmm. that where it's a built-in advantage for the Saints is this is a veteran team. Right. Okay. There hasn't been a lot of changeover offensively, defensively, special teams wise. Wasn't a lot of changeover in the coaching staff. Just one yeah. leaving and Mike Nolan. So you've got all that coming back. Right. that's an advantage. You couldn't do this with a young team. That's right. I, I just think it would be almost impossible because you have an environment already in that locker room that you know the leaders. You know the guys that's going to take charge. Yeah. The coaches don't control a locker room. Right. Players do. Yeah. And I think he realizes that the focus <clears throat> for this team has to be razor sharp. Yeah. Because if not, <clears throat> you're going to derail quickly. Yeah. And uh, I think he's done a really good job of that. You know, Sean was the first one. I go back, this was March, April, right at, the, I think at the end of March, early part of April, they said, listen, we're not going to have OTAs. Right. We're not going to have that rookie camp. You know, he foresaw what was what happened down the road for everyone else. And so I think for the quarantine bubble for him to keep him at the Lowell's Hotel, I think was a smart move. You know where everybody's at. Um, you know players you can trust that, you know, hey, listen, I want to spend a little bit of time with my family or whatever. And for some guys who maybe want to go out. Right. So, <laughs> you know, listen, when we were all young at one time, you know, it's, <laughs> it's hard right. to do to say, hey, listen, you secluded right here. Right. In one spot. But I think, you know, for Sean, it's all business yeah. and it's all business. Uh, yeah. That's what they're paying him to do, to be the head coach of this team yeah. and, and to win games. And so, I, I listen, I applaud what he's done. Uh, let's see how well it can work mm -hmm. because there is no book. You know, nobody wrote you the manual on how to do this. Everybody's yeah. walking on ground. They've never walked on before. So uh, I do think the veteran teams, though, have a built-in advantage. Right. And the fact that you know kind of the personalities of those players, 
you know the personality of the coaches, you know the work ethic, that sort of thing. And yeah. even training camp, you know, you're talking about this is like conditioning right. stuff today. This isn't out there on the field. And even <laughs> a lot of it, like what we saw, you know, and I always use that term, is pajamas and slippers. Mm-hmm. You know, it was sort of walkthroughs, <laughs> you know, and they were seven-on-seven type things. Um, you know, it, it'll still be, you know, what, 12 yeah. days away before a padded practice? Yeah. And so my thing is you can only get ready for a football season by practicing football things. Yeah. You can lift all the weights you want. You can be in condition. Man, the only thing that gets you ready for football is practicing football. Yeah. It's not a light switch. You can't flip it on and off. That's true. And just think about in all of our workplace environments, if you've been off now since January hmm. and then you come back in August, you're not the same person. It yeah. takes you a little while to get back in that groove. Or if you go on vacation for a week or whatever, it takes you a little while because That's you're true. out of it. And so I think Sean's trying to create that environment to show, hey, listen, uh, let's get ourselves in the best shape we in, and then let's overtake this and bring it into football skills. Because nothing, I think, gets you more ready than playing football than playing football. No matter what. Uh, Again, conditioning is one thing. That's just the lead up into camp. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, nobody can teach you. Even if you're a great tackler, it still takes a little bit of time to get yourself in a position and to physically take somebody down. Now, I think the pitch and catch game comes around quickly. Right. Because, you know, you can you can practice that and that comes around fast. Man is the physicality part, that offensive defensive line, that linebacker coming in to fill that gap to make that tackle. Uh, <laughs> they ain't none of that when you lift in weights and running. None of that involved. That's true. I mean, there, there's so much, you know, uh, that, that Sean Payton has, you know, tried to do to try to make sure that his team, you know, is uh, comfortable inside of the bubble as well. You know, I, I, like you said, I think he did an outstanding job. I mean, the fact that the New Orleans Saints, I mean, they, they're 0% uh, of players, you know, they, they, they actually have COVID-19. So he, he definitely wants to keep it that way. And I think about the fact that, you know, like you said, players want to go out, want to have a good time. There's, there's going to be a strong possibility, you know, that they can actually contract that. And that, that'll stunt the growth of the team because you'll be waiting for a player, you know, that could possibly contribute to the team right now and probably have to get coached up to speed. It'll probably take them a while in order for them to get back and also to get uh, into the groove. But I, I do want to talk uh, a little bit about – one of the things, mm-hmm. too, is the reality. Yeah that you're going to have players that get the COVID-19 yeah. that's going to test. Even if you asystematic, which, you know, I, I see today, um, you know, down sort of where I live at on the body, we, we were hit fairly hard. Yeah. And, and there were four people that I knew of that passed away from it. Yeah. And yet there were people that had it tested positive and that were asystematic of a day and realized they even had it. Right. They maybe felt, not quite the same when you get tested and everything else. So the medical staff now is really, and you talk about pressure, they got pressure on them, right. you know, at this particular <laughs> stage. Because it's an now you're trying to keep this, these 80 guys as a group. And I think more than anything else, two things come to mind, building great depth. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to lose someone 
during the season, if it's a one-week, two-week situation, uh, building depth on both sides of the football. Right. And if you're an opponent, uh, and I've always believed this, uh, that it's not who you play, but when you play them, right. it's never going to be more evident than this year. That's yeah, true. Because you might catch a really good team, but they may have injuries, and maybe that COVID-19 has hit them mm -hmm. in certain spots that they're not the same. Yep. And so it's not about who you play. We can look at this in April and say, oh, okay, this should be a win. This should be a win. Uh, that might be a tough one on the road. Right. Well, you can't do that this year. I just think more than any other year, depth, and also when you play them, I think it's going to be – a big part of, of how you finish schedule wise. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about what you just mentioned. Uh, you talked about depth, uh, which uh, leads me to the next question I want to ask you. I want to talk to you about the, the wide receiver position of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we know that the number one and the number two is Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. You signed Emmanuel Sanders in the offseason, but then there's, you know, the number three uh, wide receiver position. And it seems like it's going to be a pretty uh, tough competition. So, uh, what do you think about the Saints' uh, depth at wide receiver, and who do you think is going to be that number three receiver? Is it going to be Traquan Smith or possibly somebody else? Well, Traquan, it's a big year for him, okay? You put a third-round pick in him. He's flashed it as a player. Right. He's never pieced it all together. Now, you know, I think most of us felt they would use an early pick on a receiver. Mm -hmm. And then after the draft, the same people that were saying that flipped it and said, oh, well, you know, at best, Traquan's the fifth or sixth option. Okay, right. that that's not, you're not in the real world. <laughs> you know, you saying that, I mean, have you been living on Mars to believe <laughs> that in this age of injuries and COVID-19 that, you know, week to week, that that third receiver is still going to be the third guy? He may be the number one guy. Right, right. So, man, so again, it's people spinning their stories to say, well, I was wrong. Listen, mm -hmm. I think all of us thought they would pick an early uh, round selection on a receiver. Right. That's not where Sean wanted to go. He wanted to go in another direction. Yeah. And I think that means that he's put this on the plate of Traquan. That, hey, mm -hmm. listen, you got to step up this year. Yeah. It's not about talent. And I think he's a good route runner. Mm -hmm. And he has shown, man, he's got some bursts after the catch. Yeah, it's playing with confidence. And I'll never forget Eric Martin when he was with the Saints. He was mm -hmm. like, man, there are a lot of guys faster than me. A lot of guys quicker than me. Right. But you know what I had? I had confidence. Every time I stepped on that field, I was going to beat him. Yeah. What I don't see with Traquan is maybe he doesn't have that. Or he hadn't had that right. ability to say, you know what? I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to continue to beat you. Right. There is a certain thing of athletic arrogance that the great players have right. some of them want to tell you about it and other ones they just want to show you yeah true. I mean, <laughs> time and time again you watch michael thomas on that practice field you know he's not playing like a guy that's got 40 million bucks in his pocket yeah he's playing like a guy that i'm going to embarrass you if you don't come to play right. and you don't come to practice hard every week with mm -hmm. trick one you see bits and pieces of it that it's not always there that confidence part yeah. and hopefully that'll happen for him because if not somebody's ready to take your place okay yep. you you have a guy like ty montgomery who's an interesting player 
yeah. because he's played running back and wide receiver in both college and in the professional ranks. Yeah. They thought enough of little Jordan Humphrey to keep him on the active 53-man squad. That's true. Now, in training camp, the guy that really looked good was Emmanuel Butler. Yeah. And he did have an injury, but I think what happened in a game, the first couple games he played, he was a little jittery. Yeah. yeah. And you had to get that out of him. Mm-hmm. He was going to be a good player. It just you had to get it out of him, kind of the nerves. Yeah. And, you know, it's like Broadway, first night. Listen, you got to <laughs> get the nerves out because they got a night two and a night three and a night five and a night 20. You got to <laughs> get it out of you real quick. And so it's an interesting competition at that wide receiver position and who can help you also on special teams, I think is going to be vital. And the fact that Ty can play both running back and receiver gives you some options when you come down the cut down time with it. You might have a guy that say, you know what? Um, He probably isn't our fourth or fifth best receiver, but man, he is a really good special teams guy. And, and I want to, I won't keep him because he could really help us there. So it yeah. might be a rookie. It might be uh, Marquez Callaway, who I yeah. saw play a lot. Um, he was a guy coming out of Georgia. I thought he was going to Ole Miss. Man, all those mm-hmm. receivers at that time, they seemed to be headed to Ole Miss. Yeah. And then at the last minute, he goes to Tennessee. You know, he was averaging almost 20 yards a catch. Right. And, you know, some of them were, oh, well, he didn't run this route good. My thing is, did you watch the quarterback in that Tennessee? Yeah. It wasn't nothing right home to mama about, that's for sure. Yeah. And he was making it work. So I'm interested in a guy like Callaway because every year I think there's a guy there that feels, man, you disrespected me. You didn't pick me. I'm going to show the NFL what it's all about. So you've got a lot of players, but you don't have a lot of answers other than Montgomery because you know what he can do as a running back and as a receiver. The rest of the guys, you know, has more question marks than they are answers. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Ty Montgomery. Uh, Ty Montgomery, to me, is, is the guy that really stands out. I think that he can really flourish in a, in a Sean Payton offense. I think about him with the Green Bay Packers and Mike McCarthy as his, as his coach. You know, Mike McCarthy is a really good offensive coordinator, and that kind of, you know, helped him uh, come to the forefront. I felt like him going to Baltimore – and going with Adam Gase out there with the Jets, it really didn't help him because it seemed like the Jets were more focused on the defense and the running game. And also with the Baltimore Ravens, it was kind of similar. So I don't think they really utilized his skill set the way that I feel like, you know, uh, Sean Payton can. Uh, speaking of competition. Yeah, I agree with mm-hmm. that. And, and mm-hmm. let me throw this in. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick a number three receiver today, it would be none of the guys we talked about. I think it's going to be Deontay Harris. Wow. wow. <clears throat> the reason why is – the week before they played Seattle and then afterwards mm-hmm. uh, on the Saints coaches show on WWL, right. Sean brought up Tyler Lockett because kind of pressed him a little bit on, are we going to see Deontay more as a runner and a receiver? And he right. said, man, I really want to. I really want to get him the ball more than what we have. And, you know, my comparison to Deontay is he's a smaller version of Tyler Lockett. He came in really as a return man, Mm -hmm. and that's what Lockett did great in college. But, you know, he worked his way into being a starting receiver. I don't know that that'll happen to Deontay. All I know is one thing, and he's electrifying with the ball in his hand. And 
I think maybe when he was in Seattle, Sean went to the brink but didn't say it that maybe he had a little talk with Pete Carroll about, Mm -hmm. you know, how did things work out with Tyler Lockett? How'd you bring him, you know, into that particular deal? So I think that the one guy I really wanted to see on offense this year progress as a receiver was Deontay Harris. Right. Because, man, he – is something special with the football in his hands as it's a return true. man. And the NFL wasn't too big for him because you yeah. worried about it. You know, I played in front of more people at a, in a high school game than he played in college. <laughs> you know, consider, you know, I mean, assumptions not bringing in a lot of folks. And right. yet he was able to do it uh, and the punt kick return game. His progression at receiver is something to watch because we're not going to be able to see it in a game until it's the regular season, how much Sean gets him more incorporated on offense? Because you right. got, got to understand his size. You don't want to, you know, almost as a pitch count with him, but yeah. jet sweep plays, reverses, yep. uh, wide receiver screen, just getting the ball out in the flat, spread the field out, throw it to him one-on-one. Right. All I got to do is beat one guy, and then, you know, I'm headed downfield. Yep. His progression as a wide receiver. I think is a big area to watch this year offensively. Yeah. Uh, it would be the 1A, 1B, because I want to see what happens at center guard. And I think that's crucial. But I also want to see the development of Deontay Harris on offense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And you actually uh, actually touched on uh, the next question I wanted to ask you was about the offensive line battle. Now, we've seen Eric McCoy, you know, be uh, play center last season. And he did a good job. He, I mean, he was ranked pretty high according to pro football focus. Uh, he was one of the best centers in the league, in my opinion. You know, he really didn't give up too many big plays. But the Saints uh, picked up Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan in the first round. And there is a competition that's supposed to be going on. But I have to be honest, I'm kind of skeptical about this competition. Do you think that is actually a legit competition, Eric McCoy versus Cesar Ruiz? Or do you feel that Sean Payton is – is going to allow Cesar Ruiz to play center and move Eric McCoy over to the guard position. Having watched Ruiz as a high school player at MIG and watched him at Michigan, he's a natural center. Yeah. And I think in 2021, Cesar Ruiz is your starting center. But mm-hmm. in 2020, he's playing guard. <laughs> I think it's Eric McCoy's job to play center. Yeah. And we see a lot of time because I'm a big center guy. I think other than quarterback, it is the most difficult position to play. Mm. Wow. You've got to make the calls. Okay. For mm. first thing is you got to make the snap right. Yeah. If you mess that up, then anything you do afterwards is a total screw up. Yeah. But you got to make the snap right, but you got to make the calls. And today, I think you see it changing in college football and it'll have some major situation happened in the professionals down the road. There aren't yeah. as many edge rushers as a lot of good interior players. Right. The easiest way to get to a quarterback is straight up the middle, straight yeah. line. And you take away his ability to walk up in the pocket and make the throw. You're taking away his launch pad. Right. So as a center, you got to see that linebacker blitz or that safety that's coming in there. You got to be able to pick that up. Uh, Zach and I were watching practice last year. Mm-hmm. I'm standing on the sidelines, and Eric McCoy's playing center. 
And by the cadence, you knew you should have snapped the ball. Well, Andrews, Pete, and Teron Homestead, they like three yards downfield. <laughs> boy still got the ball between his legs. So there's some timing issues that have to get down right. when you're the center. N- not only the calls, but you got to get the timing down with your quarterback. Do you want to give Drew Brees a new center two straight years? Yeah, Goes to show point. how good Max Unger was. Man, yeah. listen, Max Unger's the greatest center to ever put on the black and gold. He's yeah, yeah. yeah, he was. But it goes to show you, now you've used your top picks back-to-back years to replace him. Yeah. That, that goes to show how good he is. Yeah. But I think for 2020, McCoy is your center and, and Ruiz is your guard. Yeah. But for 2021, I think they flop it around. I mm-hmm. think Ruiz becomes the center and McCoy becomes the guard. I think Eric, just having watched him and the way he handles things, his physicality, his setup skills. I think he is a better guard prospect, and I think he's a really good center. I think he could be a Pro Bowl guard. Yeah. So this year, I think you'll see them both in practice at center and then at guard. But I think in the long run, it's going to come down to, you know, McCoy's center and Cesar Ruiz, is, he's going to be your guard this year. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're right about that, especially the fact that, you know, no OTAs, no mini camp. I think that can kind of hurt the, the growth of uh, Cesar Ruiz and, you know, at that position as well. But and like you say, it is a tough position to play. So I know it that uh, really, yeah. really tough. <laughs> I'm talking about college and pros. Man, people don't realize how difficult it is to play that center position. Mm-hmm. You got to pick up everything. Now, if you had a young quarterback, the other thing, too, is because I've had a lot of centers tell me, man, you know, you got a young quarterback and he's sort of amped up, right. you know, you know, good and bad. And you got to calm his nerves. Right. You know, you, you got to, hey, hey, you know, just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. We got it. You know, I got it up front. The thing that helps McCoy and Ruiz is Drew Brees can make those calls. Right. You know, Drew sees something, he makes that call. Now, that's not going to be the case in 2021. But mm-hmm. in 2020, Drew can make that call. He can see by the positioning, maybe that safety or that linebacker might be coming in. And it helps McCoy and that, you know, hey, listen, okay, I got it now. I, I see it. Because sometimes, you know, you concentrated on so many other things that uh, you have to have. But I think to make this offense work the best, I think having McCoy at center with a year under his belt, and I think Ruiz will do well at right guard. The other thing, too, is, is who plays right tackle? Man, Ryan Remchak's the best in the game. Yep, yeah, he so, is. So, you know, he can kind of nudge you and help you along a little bit along the way. And it was a saint strength. But last year, you saw Larry came in heavy. And right. then he got hurt. And then he became, in that Minnesota game, a bit of a liability. Yep, yep. And, and what they were doing is they were shifting their ends and have them nosed up over the guard, not over yep. the tackle. And it's yep. like, man, I ain't playing up against Ramchak or Armstead. They shoved them inside, and they were up against Larry, and he was getting beat. So yep. you can hear through Sean that that really upset him in the offseason that, you know, that that sort of thing happened. And yep. he's always paid a lot of emphasis and a lot of time on that interior offensive line. If it's been with Jeff Fain. They went out, spent a lot of money on Olin Krutz, 
you yeah. know, Max Unger, they traded Jimmy Graham basically for him in a first-round yeah. pick and then spending money. Now back-to-back years on it. Uh, Jari Evans all those years. They tried to make Carl Nix the highest-paid guard in the game. Tampa mm-hmm. did. You know, right. Tampa came in late. But then they went out and get Ben Grubbs. And so you can see that they've spent a lot of time and effort and money and draft picks yeah. on trying to build that interior because you know what? You want Drew Brees clean. Yep. You want him clean that he can stay in that pocket and pow, pow, pow. You know, he can find his receivers. Yeah, that's that's true. You know, I yeah, I think about that uh that offensive line. Now I think that they have a, a good mixture of uh a youth and also uh veterans that can also help out some of those young players as well. But uh Mike, I want to say thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate you uh for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. And everybody, just make sure that you check out the second guest show on Mondays, uh, along with uh, Mike Dettier, Bobby A. Bear on WWL. Uh, I always enjoy uh, listening to you all. Even stereo. <laughs> yeah, <Cajun> definitely. Stereo. <laughs> you guys are you guys are so entertaining, and also you you guys uh, have so much information, and um, you know I really enjoy it. But thank you so much again, and um, we really do appreciate it. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. This is the State of the Saints podcast.